You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. We are uh, recording this after Declan Goff and I watched the Wild get uh, destroyed on the defensive end by the New York Rangers in the opener last night. Yes, it was only the opener. Uh, One of 82. Uh, But uh, it was not pretty. There were lots of faults here, and... The good news is that the Wild plays again against the Kings, who are uh, 0-2 now. Fiala and uh, Jonathan Quick and Anze Kopitar and a crew that they actually can beat at home on Saturday night. Rangers are a very good, very fun team to watch. Uh, But, Declan, nonetheless, so I think here's where I think we should start, okay? I think we should separate um, the fact of, of the panic of what we saw in one game but we can't ignore the fact that the defensive effort um, by the Wild last night, including yeah. in goal, was absolutely atrocious. And and I believe it was after the first period, uh, something that you've talked about for really the entire run of this uh, show came to light, and that was this. You know, the Wild offensively played pretty well. Yep. Sturkin was outstanding, yep. and they certainly generated scoring chances. There was no question about that. And and to your point, for years now, uh, after the first period, and even into the second period, the analytics were screaming, the Wild's playing a great game, fantastic game. Yeah. We were watching it, and we're like, whoa, okay, that's, that's in- intriguing. But this was really the poster child case of where the analytics and the eye test have to be matched up to get an idea of what the hell is going on. Yeah, the, the, this is where you have to marry the two. This is what I've I've told you before. You have to marry the two to get the best type of results. And I don't I don't really know how anyone can watch that game and just again watch the game with your eyes without going to the analytics and say, yeah, the Wild deserved to win that game. Well, the, the, there really wasn't any fashion of that game where the Wild deserved really to win. Um, their defense held out Flurry to dry on multiple occasions. Now. If you flipped the goaltenders, if it's Igor in net and not Flurry, does Shashirskin make a few extra saves that probably aren't goals? Yeah, because Shashirskin's literally the best goaltender, I think, in the NHL. Probably going to win the Vezna. The dude's damn, really damn good. I think where fans sometimes fall into a trap, and I saw the one that was really floating out there, so it was expected goals added, that the Wild expected goals added was better than the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Expected goals added works, um, in my opinion, really well for individual players. Like Joel Erickson Eck had a really good expected goals added for yesterday. We saw that. We saw that Joel Erickson Eck had a good game yesterday. That yeah. line in general, I thought, played pretty well. Um, the issue with expected goals added when you're clutching to just that, expected goals added works really well if you lost a one goal game. Like to, to suggest that, hey, you know, you outchance them. You lost to a better goaltender, and and that's where expected goals added can kind of like give you a little bit more of a silver lining. Ah, they really did deserve to win that game. They had more chances. The analytics back it up. The eye test back it up. You lost yesterday to the Rangers seven to three, seven to three. A lopsided affair, four goal affair, and I believe there was an empty netter in there, right? So you want to call it six to three? Call it six to three. It doesn't really matter. Was there? When you when, when no. you well, no, no empty there, netter. 
There wasn't. He gave up. He gave up seven, seven goals. goals on thirty-five seven, shots. Seven goals in hockey is the equivalent of scoring 35, 40 points in football. Okay, like giving up seven goals and losing by four. Yeah, it, 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 there is no analytic that you can use to back up the Wilds' performance yesterday. It was bad. It is uh, defensively, it was really bad. Offensively, yeah, it was it was okay. They went up against the best goaltender probably in the NHL. Defensively, yes. it was horrible. That's where you cannot just clutch to the statistics of of a spreadsheet and say, "Oh, they deserve to win." No, they didn't. You got it. You got to marry the two together. Now, what I find to be intriguing about the game too is this, and I think this is part of the problem for those uh, who were panicking. And you know what? I don't blame you. It's sports. I mean, it's fun to panic. Um, where I think we start is this in goal, right? Because the goaltending for this team. And, and the fact that there is no question that Marc-Andre Fleury, who's 37, who's going to turn 38 later next month, uh, is the going to be the primary, at this point, goaltender, has people concerned. Because he didn't have a great year last year. He played a lot of the year with a terrible Blackhawks team. Came here and, you know, played pretty well. But then the playoffs came, and he was not good. And so I think what we saw last night, and... I'm with you, and as Everson said post-game too, Marc-Andre Fleury was not, you know, it's not like seven goals and they're all your fault, dude. But nonetheless, you're watching Shesterkin, who's outstanding, make these yeah. great saves, and, mm-hmm. and Flower is definitely scuffling. Um, I think the thing that shocked me most, though, was just the defensive effort. And, and the goal that if you go back and watch it, and I, I saw it floating around on Twitter decks, and it's just the perfect it's the perfect example of what went wrong last night, is the uh, uh, Kako goal in the third period by the Rangers. Uh, it came at 546, even strength. And Kako is literally down low in the wild zone, skating around, like around the net, untouched. Erickson Eck, that line is out there. So, like, this is not the line that you expect to get exposed like that. And and he scored he scored relatively easily. We can debate, I guess, if the puck should have been stopped by Flurry. But the fact is, he never should have had the puck for that that long. Uh, Brodine was a minus four. Yeah, Zuccarello minus four. Kaprizov minus four. Kaprizov. So that's what shocked me. What shocked me was the overall. I mean, I mean that's effort and that's playing smart. Yep. And that's what really surprised me is that in your home opener, you looked that poor in an area where if you're not good, you're going to be in huge trouble. Yeah, and and it stinks when you start the season off with a lousy performance like that. You allow seven goals. Um, your top line wasn't gelling. Your best defensive defenseman in Jonas Brodin had arguably one of his worst games of his career, at least yep. eye test-wise. Um, yeah, it stinks when you start the season off like that. Yeah, it's game one out of 82. I don't expect that what we saw from the wild against the Rangers is the norm and panic should be had by all means. Um, credit the rate. The Rangers are also a very good team. They have again for the hundredth time in this episode already. They have the best goaltender in the NHL. They have a ready-made offense that can score up and down the ice. Um, losing to a team like that. It, it, there isn't much of a shame. It stinks when it's your home opener. It's your season opener. Yes. It's a black eye. It, it's, it's a kick in the groin. We can use all those adjectives if you want. Um, but in general, the Wild didn't deserve to win yesterday. Um, they get a chance to clean it up. They have three more games left on the homestand. Um, but I'm I'm curious what adjustments potentially are made if things continue to look poor throughout this homestand. You saw Dean Evison yesterday put Marco Rossi 
um, up on uh, the top line with Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello because he basically didn't want to get any of his fourth-line wingers um, ample opportunities when you're down multiple goals in the third right. period. I applaud that. So what, what, what type of adjustments, I think, are made, again, when adversity hits? That's what hurt Dino in the playoffs. So what type of adjustments can you make in-game when you have to get changes? Yeah, and I actually went went home after we were after we were in attendance at the X last night to watch the game, and I went to ESPN Plus, God bless it, and watched oh, the third so and watched the third period of the Kraken and Kings to sort of you know scout the Kings. Let's be You're honest here. I mean, you got to scout, you got to scout, you got to do that. Todd McClellan, the Kings coach, in a game in which the Kings lost again, at one point in the third period, had juggled every line, like looking for a spark. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, so something that's sort of, and look, I get it's one game, okay? Uh, but I think what we're talking about here, the more thought I gave this, we're talking about things that we didn't see last playoffs or concerned us, right? Like goaltending. We were concerned. Oh, my God. And then nobody played well on defense. That's not exactly a that's not exactly a comforting thing to watch. Um, to what you said about adjustments. So McClellan juggled at one point every single line. Now he put the top line, which I believe is Fiala, uh, Kempe, and Kopitar back together. But the point being is he was looking for, to use your word, a spark. Um, Ryan Hartman, in my opinion, had a terrible game. Oh, he was awful. He was absolutely, and he was a minus three. So he actually missed one of the goals that Kaprizov and Zuccarello were on for that the Rangers scored. But he was terrible. And... I'm not advocating after one game moving him off the first line, but I am saying this. When you were playing like you did last night, and he's playing like he he did, you know, Marco Rossi, in my opinion, on the fourth line, doesn't make a lot of sense. He played 10-24, okay? Um, I want to see him play more. And and I like the fact that Dean eventually bumped him up at one point, but but like we're talking about, that was just like for a shift here, and then Hartman was back, and then, you know, I wouldn't have been adverse to saying, you know what, Ryan Hartman's having a terrible game here. We don't have any uh, um, obligation with him playing like this, to have him on this line for the rest of this game. Rossi's going to play first line, and here's what I really don't get. Are we really going to be married to Sam Steele on that Boldy Goudreau line? I mean, there's a ton of center wiggle room there. That could have been Hartman for the third period. You know, I mean, got to be honest here, Dex. Not sure about your thoughts on this one. But if we get to a period and Sam Steele's on the fourth line, Judd ain't going to freak out. So I think I would have liked to see a little bit more commitment to Rossi in that first line last night. Because with the way things were going, were they really going to be that much worse defensively? They were already hemorrhaging up to seven goals. So that's where I'd like to see Dean be a little bit more proactive. And look, if Ryan Hartman doesn't play well, I don't think you have an obligation to him to to be like, yeah, but he's my first line center. Uh, It doesn't mean that he's lost the job forever. But last night, I would have liked to see Rossi get an opportunity in the entire third period to center Kaprizov, Zuccarello. And you know what? Change things up. Yeah, even Rossi was able to get some power play time yesterday. He played a minute and 34 on the power play. The yeah. Wild had four opportunities. Um, you know, so he had more power play time than Hartman, Goudreau, Foligno, um, which is encouraging for a rookie. So he was being put in situations where he could potentially be more successful and utilizing his skill more. 
Uh, but in general, you know, he only played, yeah, 1024 yesterday. So if, if you, things aren't going well, and look, Ryan Hartman, in my opinion, was a, a bit of an overachiever last season. Yep. Um, you know, he had a career year, and I, again, I, I think he's trending in the right direction after being basically a fourth-line bottom-six player for the first six years of his career. But Marco Rossi has the legit skill and pedigree that suggests that he's going to be your top-line center one day. So if, if you're losing by multiple goals to a very good team, I should say, in yeah. the New York Rangers in the third period, try out Marco Rossi. And, and Dean did that for a bit, and you may as well give the kid a chance to see if he can be your first-line center instead of playing with Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame, who, you know, are, again, they're, they're fine. They're, they're Jags. They're, they're workers. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're solid dudes that are good role players, I should say, on the fourth line. Yep. Um, but if in, in this instance, you have to also give Marco Rossi a chance to be a, tech, uh, a potentially a top line center and play with the best possible wingers in Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Yeah. So it, to, to your power play point, so the first power play last night was Erickson Eck at center, Kaprizov and Zuccarello up front, Addison and Boldy at the points, and we'll talk about Boldy in a second. The second power play was Rossi at center, Felino and Goudreau with him up front, Hartman and Spurgeon on the points. And so, yes, I like the opportunity that, and it makes sense, that Rossi's going to get on the power play. I just, I don't think he was capped here to play fourth line. And to what you're talking about, too, you didn't keep him here to play fourth line with two guys who are hard workers. Right. Um the the two on one that I that we saw last night that involved what I think it was it might have been a shorty I I forget but that involved Duham and Dewar um, was doomed from the second that the puck came loose and that they got it not because they don't work hard but because they were they don't have the skill to score that goal on Shesterkin and I don't even think that they eventually got a shot off on that play I I think your exact words were that's the equivalent of you and I going in on a 2-0 it against was. Igor Shesterkin and, and with all due again that was very all due respect unfair, to Connor Dewar and Brandon Duham by the way I'm Dewar he, he's the 5-10 guy Dewey's more the 6-2 bigger bigger guy so if if, if we are indeed those guys what well, I am I am more of, of the doer in this situation Judd I don't I don't know if you're taking offense to that but I'm Connor Dewar in that situation no no dude you can have whoever you want <laughs> But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to try to score goals. I'll just fight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, On to the, Boldy. The, so let's talk about the good. Um, yes, he was good. Matthew Boldy, and I, I talked, uh, we, we actually talked about this with Bill Guerin when he joined the show. Friend of the show. Was last week or two weeks ago. And Boldy looks bigger, stronger, more confident. And keep in mind, too, he's coming off a really good shortened because he, he was, was not here at the start. Uh, in fact, he got hurt in the preseason last year. But... He's coming off a really good rookie season, two goals last night, a plus two. Sam Steele was too. So I'm not saying Steele played bad. I'm just saying I'm You're not so sure. Negative. I'm not sure he belongs on that, that line full time. Um, but Boldy to me, mm-hmm. I I love this kid. He's becoming the type of player who who we certainly hoped Greenway would at one point, Coyle would, and these guys are hard to find. They are because he can be physical. He has got skill. That second goal that, that he dragged around Shesterkin oh. is gorgeous. Like yeah. that is he he not, made it look simple. It ain't simple. I many, abs- I love that. Not many players. Sorry, not many players can do that to Igor Shesterkin. There aren't many no. players in the NHL that can undress him like that. What I like too, and by the way, Judd's hockey show was allowed back in the locker room for the first time in two and a half years yesterday. So so we, as much as we love to brag about who we are uh, covering hockey games, we haven't been able to go in a locker room. In almost three years. Because the media so, couldn't. Because the media couldn't, Like, we yes. weren't banned. 
Yes. Like, no, shockingly, I know like there's a lot of people that think how, how, how did Judd's Hockey Show get credentials in the first place? Um, but we were actually allowed in the locker room for the first time in almost three years. So the smell of jock straps and hockey pads was great to smell for the first time in a long time. Love but that. what um, stuck out to me was uh, Boldy, who was one of the players that was available in postgame interviews yesterday with with um, with the media. And, you know, when, when you lose a getting an ass kicking like that, you're not going to get any good quotes. And and nor should you, honestly. But what, what really stood out to me was Boldy seemed just absolutely pissed. And everyone yes. seemed pissed, but Boldy yeah. seemed pissed. Boldy had a good game. Our buddy Chris Long tried to throw in the classic TV softball. Hey, two goals for you, right? Like, yeah. it's got to feel good. No, I don't care about that. No, he said, uh, I'd, give him, I'd give him back give in him a back. heartbeat. I yeah, love give him back that in line. a heartbeat. Uh, that's, that, to me, that, that's a character guy that... You know what that is? Um, that, that this team didn't have before. That's a, guy, that's a guy that could someday wear the C is what that is. Oh, okay. I think you made a very other interesting motion there, and I couldn't really tell what the hell you were trying to say. No, uh, captain, but, captain. But, uh, but, but, yeah, two goals, and the second one against Jasurskin, not many players can do that. Yes, he, he is... I know there, there was, there's, for whatever reason, some victory lap being like, Matt Boldy never needed Kevin Fiala. It's like both of them are very good players, and they can be individually great in their own right. But I, I do think Matt Boldy year wasn't a fluke either, yes, last year, and he's going to have a damn good season this year for the Wild. Kaprizov was a minus four, but I will say this. There were times, again, where he was fantastic. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. that That is, so, I'm not saying defensively he had a good game, because he didn't, obviously. But, you know... Plus minus at times decks can certainly be deceiving, misleading and deceiving. Yep. Kirill Kaprizov, especially I thought in the first two periods did some marvelous things again. Um, in fact, it was sort of weird at times. Uh, there, there were shifts where it, I wasn't sure the rest of his line had, had uh, shown up completely. Now Zuccarello came on. I, Hartman, unfortunately did not, but early in that game, Kaprizov made some great plays. The one where he drew the cross check on, I believe it was Lindgren, was absolutely, yes. was absolutely just uh, like it's a small thing. It's not like a sexy play, but one, it shows his strength. Two, it shows his determination. And three, it shows his ability through those things to draw penalties. I don't believe every player gets that call either if you're not Kirill Kaprizov. If Sam Steele takes that cross check, I don't know if they call it. I'm not trying to say that it wasn't a penalty. But Kirill Kaprizov draws that type of attention on him because he's a superstar now. And and the Wild haven't had a player like that that commands that type of presence. Zach Prezi in his heyday and it is always will always be um someone who worked really, really hard and got in the corners and got in greasy areas. He didn't have the natural puck skill to undress a Shasurskin or to draw the attention no, no. of the fan. And, and and I you know what, Zach would tell you that as well. Anyone who watched Zach would tell you that. Kirill Kaprizov has this absolute lore about him that I'm sure the Rangers had a, probably a game plan that mo- the most the the game plan is with Kirill Kaprizov shut down Kirill can the Wild beat us mm-hmm. can you shut down the superstar and can the rest of the team beat you um, and there were moments last night too that yeah you saw him just skating and the oohs and ahs it's great having the crowd back there because you finally get to see when he has the puck just it's can't miss hockey and, it, and there aren't many players in this sport. Even from a common sports fan, let's say you're not a diehard puckhead like you and I, you're just some Joe Schmo who grabs a, a a light beer and goes the, goes the X to watch a WoW game. Oh, that's a you you can you can watch Kirill Kaprizov and be in awe because like you are just in complete shock that this guy can do these things on the ice. That's the type of player he is. Now, d- despite the the fact that I uh, talked about earlier in the show that Eric Sinek and his line were disappointed me greatly on the Capo Caco goal, um, in, in which he basically was untouched and scored 
Eric Zanek had eight shots last night. Yeah, he, he had, had a good eight, game. Eight shots on goal. And and again, I will say this. Um, if I had to pick a if I had to pick a wild player who one hundred percent showed up for the majority of that game, Heck. he did. He drew penalties. He somehow got called for one when he drew one, and that I have no idea call. how because he got absolutely uh, obliterated, call. I think, in the goal crease. But he drew penalties. He had eight shots on goal, and um, I loved the fight. I don't know. So the Felino Jost w- with Greenway out, Erickson Eckline, might be a little bit more of a chemistry work in progress because of Greenway's absence. But Erickson X game, I absolutely, for the most part, loved what he brought. I thought Eck and obviously Boldy with the two goals too, but I, I thought Eck and Boldy were the most noticeable players in the ice in a positive way uh, last night in the loss. Um, if, if you want to take the silver linings, which we love to do in Minnesota sports, uh, Eck, we're breaking Eck down the film here. We're breaking down yeah. the film. They're going to break look, down the film. We're, we're not going to come on here for 20-plus minutes to break down a loss and just talk about completely the negative. We're on a five, six-minute rant here. We're talking about the positives, okay? Um, yeah, I thought I thought Eck looked really, really strong last night, and, and, and that's a guy who has just gotten so much better year in and year out. Um, yes. He unfortunately had the, you know, the Brock, because they passed on Brock Besser, they took Erickson Eck, and I think immediately that was looked at, like, how could you have done that? Brock Besser's, you know, this great scoring forward. Now that... that, that it might be the right. It might have been the right decision to make to take Erickson Eck over a guy like Brock Besser. So he's closed that gap. He's worked his ass off. Um, I've been really impressed uh, with just his development overall. I would say, yeah, him, Boldy, Kirill to a degree. Um, I thought all those three guys probably stood out the most in the loss. And and you know, Tyson Jost had had some moments too that I, that I noticed him. He didn't have the strongest of games necessarily, but. Um, I, I still like that they're giving him a shot to play meaningful minutes. He deserves that. Kings here on Saturday, De- Declan Goff, in two in the first two games, playing on that top line, your friend, your your favorite player of all time, perhaps. Kevin Fiala, two games played, no points, minus three. He's averaging 17-10 of ice time. Will he break the drought, the goal drought, too? I, I don't care about a potential apple. Will he break the goal drought here on Saturday night? I, th- I, th- I think he does. Um, you know, Fiala's a streaky player, so it doesn't surprise me. He's got two games where he's logged 17 plus minutes and still doesn't have a goal yet. Um, once he gets hot, you know, he he we we've seen it Exa- yes, for four exactly. years. It's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I do think Kevin Fiala comes in here with those shiny helmets that you love so much potentially. And uh, they weren't wearing them last night. I hate those things. They look like the Tin Man. I have no problem. R two D. They're they're C three PO. They're awful. But uh, I do have the purple. I love the old purple Kings with the with oh, the royal God. crown. Though those are Marcel. We Dion. are not a jersey loving podcast. That's not our podcast. But um, but I do. Lo- those well, are those are on speak my. Speak for yourself. I am. Mount I Rushmore. love jer- I love hockey jerseys. I love hockey jerseys, and those are fantastic. Uh, go go today. YouTube. Watch clips of the triple crown line. Okay, triple crown oh, yeah. line. Dave Taylor, Dion Simmer. Unbelievable. Great jerseys. Great okay, not Bill production. Garen. Yeah, you, Great you production. You, 1980s hockey. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. All right. Garrett, okay? All right. Um, I think we've done an, enough damage. We will be back soon, though, now that Judd's Hockey Show. We're rolling along. We'll be back soon. Back, baby. All right. Uh, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment on this YouTube channel. As Judd said, this is Judd's Hockey Show. We uh, break down Minnesota Wild. So if it's the first time you're discovering us, hit the subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Wild Entertainment and pass shoot score. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. 
developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.